And this morning we are going to continue a four-part series on Advent. We've been going through, Advent is basically the important arrival of an event or someone. Specifically the birth of Christ, and we've been leaning into that. And also anticipating his second coming, his return uh, in glory. Um, And we've been leaning into the metaphor of light. Christ is light. This morning we're going to see Christ is light and light shines. It's a pretty basic concept. Uh, You have a dark room, turn on the light, and the light emanates. It fills the room. It uh, goes into the darkness and lights it up. You have a dark yard, flip on a floodlight, same thing happens. The light goes out from the the source and it lights up the yard. Uh, During the day, the, the sun rises and the sun goes out, or the light goes out from the source, the sun, and emanates to the world and lights it up. So in that same concept, the gospel is meant to shine, to go out, to emanate to the world, to bear witness of God's glory and the beauty of the gospel. This morning we're going to see that Christ is light and shines. We are light and we are made to shine, and then we are to shine brightly. So before we get into our text, actually the first three sermons uh, leading up to this one have kind of covered Christ being light. We've seen uh, that light overcomes as it shines, light reveals as it shines, and then light gives life as it shines. So uh, Nate actually led us through John 1, 1 through 5, talking about light overcoming as it shines. Specifically in verse 4 through 5 of John 1, we saw in him, Christ, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that was the establishment of the metaphor of light, Christ being light, and then shining it into the darkness, emanating, going out. Um, And John slash Nate took us back to the Old Testament, we saw in the creation story that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then from that, he created order, creation, life. But then we see throughout the rest of Genesis that as sin and rebellion and darkness entered the world, it started to uncreate. That same narrative flows throughout all of the Old Testament. You see how God continually provides a a source of light to guide his people, the Israelites. But they continually turn away from that source and are overcome by darkness. And then we saw in Malachi that he was prophesying, no, hope is not lost. God's promise of deliverance for his people is actually ultimately given in Jesus Christ. He's an enduring light that continues to shine because of his resurrection. He's able to live a perfectly righteous life, die in our place, take the punishment of our sin, our death, and then resurrect, defeating sin, death, and darkness. And we saw in this second sermon uh, by Johnny, uh, he went through Colossians 1, 15, 19 through 20, and we see how light reveals as it shines. We saw an invisible God become visible. No one had seen God before, 
And then God sent his son, a perfect image of him, reflected. Uh, we also saw that because of Jesus, he, he comes in, he emanates. He is the source of light. And then because of that, he reveals our sin. Uh, Johnny said, sin is not something that we do. It is who we are. We are sons of darkness. As sinners, we are in the darkness. We are blinded. We, we are not sinners because we sin. We have sinned because we are sinners. But we also see the redemption that is revealed through Christ as he shines. His, like I said, his perfect life, his death, his resurrection, actually takes our place and is able to reconcile that relationship that we have with God. In our uh, third series, we saw that light gives life as it shines. Chris led us through Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. Uh, and we saw that it's not just Christ revealing um, redemption, but it's actually apprehended through him. It's, it's a personal relationship with him. It's not something to be looked at or observed, but something we are brought into his light as he shines on us personally. We are personally given life, his spirit united to him in a mystical union that is reflected in our, our lives as we put to death sin and walk in newness of life. I love the, the end of that passage, uh, Ephesians 5.14, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's a beautiful picture of salvation. We were asleep, not in a sleep, but in death. Dead in our sins, and Christ shined on us, resurrected us out of death into his life. So that brings us up to today. We've seen how Christ has shined. But now let's read through our passage this morning. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Perfect. Thank you, production team. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to, the fa to your Father who is in heaven. Bow your heads with me. Dear God, thank you for this morning. God, I ask that we can see Christ this morning. God, I ask that your spirit is at work within this room. God, I ask that you transform us. God, if there are people in here that are not yet disciples, believers, God, I ask that you reveal yourself to them this morning. 
God, and those that are believers, that are already are disciples of Christ, God, I ask that you continue to transform us into your image, into a perfect reflection of your glory, God. Help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to repent of un, uh, unrepented sin, God, and to turn to you and to shine, to bring glory to your Father, God. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So in Matthew 5, we are in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, this is a a small snippet of it, but this is one of Christ's probably most famous sermons. Um, If you zoom out, it's talking about how to live in God's kingdom. And he's talking here specifically to his disciples, specifically to believers, but it's among crowds of people. So he's inviting in those that aren't believers yet to be curious, to be provoked, to see what living a, as a disciple of his looks like. Much like a, a sermon in a church. They're believers and non-believers, and he's inviting us all in to see what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. So we see in the, the opening statement, we are light and are made to shine. Can we just talk about Christ being light? How do we become light? He shone on us. He gave us the the faith. He revealed our sin, allowed us to repent of our sin, and then trust in him for redemption, to reconcile that relationship. As we do that, he shines on us. This is an indicative statement, a statement of identity. This is who we are. Like I said, Johnny was talking about us being sinners by nature. That's who we are. But in Christ, we now have a new identity. We are no longer sons of darkness. We are no longer blind to the glory of God. We are sons of of Christ. Sons of light. We have that identity because Christ has shown on us. This is who we are. <clears throat> An identity given through Christ because he's shown on us. I want to read through 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let the light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That was us. We were blinded in the darkness as sinners. But Christ shone. He shone in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? 
on his face. So as Christ shines, if you are believing in him, if you are trusting in him for forgiveness of your sin and walking in newness of life, that same glory of God that shines on Christ's face now shines in your heart. That's an identity, who you are. You are now sons and daughters of light. But this statement, this identity, is also kind of a paradox. You have disciples of Christ who on one hand are no different than anybody else. We're at one point blinded, sinners, undeserving. That's the nature of the gospel. God saves undeserving sinners through grace. Not because we're special, not because of anything we've done, not because we deserve to be saved, we haven't cleaned ourselves up, we haven't become acceptable God. His life, his righteousness, his death, his resurrection on the cross is the reason by grace we are saved through the gift of faith that he's given to us. So on one hand, we're no different than anybody else. And now as his light, that gives us common ground. We can share that gospel from a place of common ground where, yes, we are understanding the light now that we are saved, but we share brokenness, we share humanity, we share undeservedness with sinners as we share the gospel. It gives us a a place of common ground to have confidence in sharing that. The other side of the paradox is disciples of Christ are radically different. Why? Because Christ is radically different. He is holy. He is the creator of all. And by trusting for forgiveness of sins by faith, you now reflect his identity. That glory of God that was on the face of Christ, like I said, now shines in you. So you are radically different. His distinctness, his differentness is now shining in you. His spirit, his set-apartness. So he's defining a distinct line between his disciples, his believers, and the world. So we see an identity of who we are because of who Christ is in us. And now, from there, we're going to see an imperative, a command. So, identity before behavior. The imperative command flows out of the identity. That's important. You can't skip that step. Like I said, there's nothing we have done to earn our righteousness. Christ has done it, shined in us, and now, because of that, he gives us a command. How you live your life matters. So we've seen Christ shines. We are to shine because of Christ. And now we see how we can shine brightly. We shine brightly stewarding and holding to the true gospel, offering it to the world and hoping for faith for those who hear it. I want to read verses 14b and 15 from our passage this morning, Matthew 5. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, 
but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So we have two pictures here, kind of showing the, the purpose of a light. A city set on a hill, a city up on a hill with lights shining, the light goes out, it emanates throughout the land. It can't be hidden. And then we see the second picture, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a, on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So if I've lost something, or in a dark room, I'll pull out my iPhone, cut on my flashlight, and then I can see what I'm looking for. The light goes out. It emanates, it lights my path so I can see what I'm looking for or where I'm going. But I'm sure I'm not the only one. I hope I'm not the only one. Oftentimes, I cut my flashlight on and I put it back in my pocket. And you can't see it right now. But oftentimes, it'll shine through my pocket a little bit. So you can see that I have a light on. Is it serving its purpose? No. I can't see anything through the light in my pocket. It's wasting that resource. It's not being used as it's intended to be used. A light is meant to shine, to emanate, to go out. In the same way, we as believers are meant to shine, to emanate through the world to expose and reveal darkness the same way we talked about Christ revealing and exposing darkness. In verse 16, in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How do we do this? How do we let our light shine? It's, it's a great Metaphor, it sounds good, but how do we actually do this? I'm going to give you one more metaphor. I listened to a lot of sermons on a long car ride, and this one stuck out to me. The sun does what? It rises, it gives out light, it emanates, it lights up the world. How does it do that? It's a source of light. It's made to shine. How about the moon? What does the moon do? It rises. It shines. It lights up the earth. But how? See some, some people that know, some people that know some science. Is the moon a source of light? No. It reflects the light of the sun. The moon reflects glorious light because the sun gives off glorious light. The sun is the source. The heart of a disciple works the same way. We're meant to receive the light of Christ and reflect it in the world, in the darkness 
through a life of obedience, gratitude, virtue, and mission. Again, how do we do this? By being the moon. By not having a spiritual eclipse and then by anticipating darkness. Let me unpack those a bit. Be the moon. Is the moon a source of light? No. Good. Staying with me. Christ is the only source of light. So before, if you're not a believer, you have to acknowledge that you're in darkness as a sinner. Repent of your sins. Trust in God for forgiveness and transformation by the glory of his light. And then walk in his light. That repentance doesn't stop as soon as you become a believer. You continue to repent for your sins. You also need to be plugged into that source. How is the source, how are we going to reflect the source if we're not plugged into it? I recently got a um, Alexa for my son and in hopes that he would turn off the light. It, it's a, uh, <laughs> yep, yeah, in hopes. So we, we put one of those little uh, Bluetooth lights on it and you can say, hey Alexa, turn off my light. Well, he tried, didn't work. Then I tried, didn't work. So I untwisted the light, put in a different bulb, that worked. Went back to it and I realized the prongs or if they're electrical, electrical engineers, I'm probably saying this all wrong, but the prongs were not touching the bulb. So it was there, but it was not actually connected to the source of electricity. So it couldn't give out light. In the same way, we have to be plugged into the source, Jesus Christ. The more you behold and know the richness of who Christ is, the more that will emanate in your life. Psalm 119, specifically 105, your word is a lamp unto my, unto my feet and a light unto my path. Tells you right there. Christ was word made flesh, but we're also given his actual word in the Bible. You have to be plugged into that. Again in Psalm 119, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He tells you how to not sin against him. His word has to be stored up in your heart. You have to memorize it, meditate on it, read it, know his word so that you can accurately reflect the glory of God. And then from that, declare God's glory by illuminating goodness and exposing darkness to his knowledge, truth, and irresistible grace. You can't do that if you're not plugged into the source. The same way Christ illuminated, we saw in Johnny's sermon, we're called to do the same thing through Christ. So, be the moon. Also, don't have a spiritual eclipse. What does that mean? When is the only time the moon doesn't reflect the sun? Hint, I gave it to you in the answer. 
an eclipse, and what's happening there. He knows. The earth, the world, is coming between the sun and the moon. That's the only time the moon doesn't reflect the sun. That's such a beautiful image of how we should reflect God. If the world gets in our way, if we're not actively plugged in the source, if we're allowing the world to cut off the light of Christ, we're not going to be able to reflect God's glory. So don't have a spiritual eclipse. What does that look like? Fear? Apathy? Desiring other things? Unconfessed sin, like I said? Unbelief, selfishness, wanting to be insular, not wanting to go out and emanate on mission throughout your community, throughout your workplace. Wanting to keep God's light to yourself. Or wanting to shine for your glory. We talk about in Matthew 5 how others are to see our good works so that they can give glory to who? To God. But in that same sermon, Matthew 6, Christ talks about not having others see your righteousness, not having others see your good works. So what's he getting at there? It's, it's a heart shift of you wanting others to see your good works so you receive glory, versus wanting others to see good works so God gets the glory. It's subtle, but that is an issue of heart and not being plugged into the source. So be the moon, don't have a spiritual eclipse, and then anticipate darkness. If we zoom out from uh, our small subset of verses, we see in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. Christ is prepping his disciples for persecution. Nothing says Christmas sermon like suffering and persecution. You're welcome. But he's preparing them. Nate talked about in his sermon how this hope is a now hope, but also a future hope. Christ doesn't promise that right now, as soon as you believe, everything is fine and dandy, everything is great. No, there's still actively darkness in the world. And if we go to other passages, this is supported. John 3.19, and this is my judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. So in the same way, when Christ came, when Christ, the true reflection of God, came to earth, the world rejected him. So why would it be any different than us reflecting that same image? Remember the word, this is John 15, 20, that I've said to you, 
A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. For they have kept my word, they will also keep yours. And then we see again in 2 Timothy 3.13, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All. This, Christ is prepping his disciples with this, that the world is going to persecute you. It might not be violent, but in some way, being a disciple of Christ will cost you. It could be a relationship, a friendship, a job, comfort. It's uncomfortable to shine sometimes. Reputation. We're different in this world. We reflect God's distinctness, his glory. And that's different. This world rejected that. And he's prepping you for that. So a good check, if you're not being persecuted, Christ says in 2 Timothy 3.13, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So I pray as a church we fall back into Christ and we, we look if we're presenting truth without love, this looks like the guy on a sidewalk with a blowhorn preaching truth with no love. He's going to be persecuted, but it's probably not going to be attractive. He's not going to have a big following of people. Whereas love without truth, that's attractive. We look just like the rest of the world. It's attractive, but there's no truth in it. We're not going to be persecuted because we fit in. We're not any different than the world. We're being sons of darkness. Whereas the sweet spot, truth with love, both attractive, it's going to entice believers in just like Christ did with the Sermon on the Mount, but you're also going to be persecuted. Again, nothing says a Christmas sermon like suffering and persecution. But it's, I don't want to leave you there. As we fall back into the source, he allows us to persevere. And I love the, the image we see in verse... The city on a hilltop. We're not meant to be a single light shining. A city is many lights combined. We're designed to be in a community of believers shining and emanating out to the rest of the world. So having a community of believers that can both encourage you and strengthen you. Also, an encouragement. Romans 8, 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. One day, Christ will return. 
we're anticipating that advent. It's going to be glorious. We're not going to need a sun. We're not going to need a moon. There won't be any darkness. All of the light will radiate from God, his son, and his glory. I don't want you to walk away thinking, oh, the pastor said, do, 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 do. You have to do these things. I want to go back to how he begins this passage, the indicative statement. You are the light of the world. That's our identity in Christ. Who we are, what we do, is because what he has done, what he did on the cross, what he did, his perfectly righteous life, his death in our place on the cross, and his resurrection defeating sin, death, and darkness. Again, I want to give you another piece of encouragement. I'm not a theologian. I will tell you that up front. I'm not a perfect parent, but we had, just the other week, one of our kids had a rough morning and came and sought one of us and was expecting consequence, deserved consequence, and we talked them through grace. You're not going to get a consequence today. You deserve it, but I'm not going to absorb the behavior, not give you the consequence, and give you grace. And my child said, like, Jesus gives us grace that we don't deserve. My encouragement there is Christ takes our broken attempts at good works, at sharing the gospel, and he redeems those. He shines on those. God the Father sees those works, those sharing the gospel, through the lens of Christ so we can reflect his glory. So take courage. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for God, thank you for the detail you put into creation and to your redemption plan for us, God. It can't be a mistake the way you created the sun and the moon to give us a picture of your son, God, and how he is able to redeem us, shine on us, and then we can reflect him and reflect your glory, God. God, I ask that as he shines, God, that we are able to shine in our homes, to shine in our communities. And God, I ask that our church, Portico, can be a beacon of hope 
to this surrounding community. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.